Hey, Mike here. What's going on, everybody? Uh, thanks for listening. This is my first ever podcast. Uh, hopefully, it won't be my last. Uh, I won't waste too much time with uh, the BS here at the front because I want to make sure that you are entertained and not bored. So uh, basically, uh, the way this show is going to work, and again, this is my first ever episode, so things may change, but uh, basically, it's a show where I'm talking to people that um, I find interesting. Uh, the tagline is kind of like uh, famous people who aren't famous yet. So uh, thankfully, I've made a lot of good friends and good uh, contacts over the years uh, in my career, people that are doing a lot of cool stuff in media, uh, acting, theater, sports. Um, entertainment all over the place. So uh, a lot of cool people that I'm hoping to talk to and learn from. And really the the whole thing of the show is trying to talk to people who are trying to make it and learning from them. And hopefully it's uh, it's a fun time. And hopefully as you listen, as the episodes come by week by week, uh, you'll be able to learn something. You'll be able to laugh. You'll be able to feel some stuff. And hopefully I'll be able to keep giving that to you. So uh, a lot of hopefully in this first episode. Uh, the way it's going to work, uh, basically each episode, my plan for right now is to uh, have a quick open just to introduce my guest of the week. Uh, the main part of each show will be the interview with that guest. And we got a really good one uh, this time to start us off, so excited for that. And then I'll probably spend uh, the last couple of minutes of each show uh, just with my one thing of the week, just something I want to riff on or some thoughts I've had on something, just to get uh, some thoughts off my chest. So uh, it's a really cool thing. I'm really excited for this podcast gig, and I'll talk more about that actually at the end of the show, what I'm hoping this becomes, what I'm hoping it is, and why I got into it. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, my first ever guest. His name is Bobby Kruger, a really good friend of mine. I have known him for uh, probably eight years. He's actually texting me as I record this open by myself, so I uh, wonder what he's up to. But anyway, uh, this is a guy who uh, I met at, uh, interning for NBC with the Olympics in 2006. Since then, he's left the kind of broadcasting world, which is where we met, and has gone into uh, acting. He's done some theater, he's done some TV, some movies. Uh, he was in NBC's The Slap, uh, that miniseries lately. He was uh, one of the prosecutors on the show, uh, I think prosecuting Zachary Quinto's character. Uh, he just finished filming uh, a bit for a Jodie Foster-directed movie starring George Clooney, Julia Roberts, a whole bunch of other people, Dominic West. We'll talk about that. Uh, he's done some stage works and theater work. So Bobby's a great guy and someone that I'm really excited to talk to and for you to hear me talk to. Uh, we talk about a lot of stuff. We touch on a bunch of different topics, uh, what it's like for actors struggling in New York, what that whole lifestyle is like. How do you go about getting gigs? How do you end up on a sh an NBC show or a movie set? Uh, what's it like working for Jodie Foster and working with her on a daily basis? And uh, because he's a good friend of mine, obviously we get into a bunch of stuff that uh, is outside of the career realm. So online dating, what's that? what that's like in New York, uh, pro wrestling, which we're both kind of geeky fans of as well lately. So a lot of good stuff. So without further ado, uh, we'll get to the interview and then definitely make sure to stay tuned after that for uh, my kind of recap of the week and a little bit of what this show is going to be all about. So without further ado, let's give a call to Bobby Kruger. Robert, hello. Hello. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, I, I, I'm going to blame you, of course. I am currently uh, in the background watching uh, WWE Monday Night Raw <laughs> for the third week in a row, thanks to the advice of one Michael Janone. Yeah, that's uh, that's for our next podcast, uh, Pile Driver Periscope or whatever we do. Um, yeah, two guys that haven't watched wrestling in 15 years and now are the biggest fans you're going to find. Uh, within the span of like three months, so uh, stay tuned yeah, for that. We should one. actually do that. Yeah, well, mark it down. Good business idea. Um, but we'll talk wrestling another time because I want to get to to you and the reason why you're my first ever podcast guest. Uh, my first question mm -hmm. is: When does this end up on your IMDb page? 
Uh, if it gets, uh, well, one, no, because this is not a SAG, uh, this is not a SAG project. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, all right, that's fine. Well, uh, someday we'll look back at this. But anyway, uh, I bring it up. You know, I mentioned about before uh, to the other listeners before you got on the call, uh, kind of all the stuff you've been doing. But you know, Money Monster, um, the slap. I mean, you've really been crushing it. Uh, the plays and all that kind of stuff. Um, give us, I guess, your ten second uh, synopsis of of your career, just to, so we know exactly kind of what you find most important of what you've been up to these last couple of years in the biz. Well, yeah, so. Uh, obviously, the two projects you mentioned are both acting, of course. Um, so I have a, a couple of little parts that I've been getting recently. One, uh, Money Monster, which is directed by Jodie Foster, which is really exciting. Uh, and then the other one was uh, earlier in the winter uh, on NBC's The Slap. I played the prosecutor in one, in one of the episodes. And just kind of building, uh, you know, slowly building a credit. I've certainly been at the game for a couple of years now. Uh, you know, very much the acting business is just like any other business, about who you know and making connections and fostering those connections and is that, a, jo- is that, is that, is that a Jody Foster pun fostering the connections yes I, I don't understand like, why is I don't get it <laughs> fostering the connection yeah oh my god I didn't I didn't pick up on it uh, no, let's uh, talk about that because I want to get into the whole process of it and kind of what it is like being an actor and also all the other stuff you're doing we'll talk about that later on too but uh, let's start there because that was the most recent kind of big project that you you finished up uh, Jodie Foster that's a name she was directing uh, George Clooney that's another name he's in the movie um, but what's it like I mean take us right to that take us to like a feature film set what's it like being directed by by her being on the same set as these other people that are kind of uh, doing what you want to be doing and how was that actual specific movie experience this one in particular well, what's great, just in general, what's great about the whole thing is, you know, coming from working really hard and trying to build this career really out of nothing. And I started late. I'm not someone who started when I was 12. I started, you know, for those that don't know Mike and I, Mike and I went to college together. So, um, or you and I went to college together. It's like you're not in the room. Right. Um, but, uh, but you know, you know, to get a gig like that, one, you know, there's, just to kind of give you sort of the sort of the scope of how many people are going for just a one part. And my part is not very big, but it's, it's a, you know, there's no small parts, I guess. Just Only small actors, actors yeah. <laughs> yeah, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage makes it work. Um, you know, but let's say, you know, in New York, you're going to get about 2,000 people going for that one part. Wow. And in general, um, the casting director uh, is going to call in about 20. And then from those 20, they'd probably pick five and they show those to the director uh for a film and at a tv you rarely they'll probably usually actually show them to the producer over the director because some tv producers kind of roll off um and then you kind of get the gig and that's crazy i think you and i were actually together i think when i got that gig we were in yeah miami uh houston or houston yeah, we, uh, i think we, we might have been in houston and my my one of my agents called and said that i got it which was really fantastic now you kind of how that whole process works in terms of, you know, one, you know, I kind of send you the script and, you know, you read the whole script because when you audition, sometimes you don't, you only get the pages that you're auditioning for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got it. I sent the whole script. I read the whole script. It was fantastic. And I think it's going to be a really good movie. Um, so it's not from George Clooney, by the way. It has Julia Roberts uh, and Jack O'Connell and Dominic West, who people know from like The Affair and The Wire. Mm-hmm. McNulty, and, uh, yeah. G- yeah, and also uh, Giancarlo Esposito's in the movie as well, who people, of course, know from Breaking Bad. Gus Fring, um, yeah. As Gus. So it's got a great cast, and I'm happy just to kind of 
How the hell did they let you, how they let you in? Yeah, I don't know. This is, but that's sort of that's yeah, that's kind of what happened. So like you know, you get you get you go to a costume fitting, of course, blah blah blah. blah. That's one day, and then the next, you know, a week or two later, you're you're filming this thing, and you know, I mean, there's nothing like being on a film set. There's just nothing like it, uh, and I'm sure you've been treated like this when you when you've done your Guinness uh, records, you know, judging in high, you know, whether it be at MTV, the, you know, the New Year's Bash or some of the other events that you've been to, getting treated visit, really well. Visit MikeJanella.com for more details on my past. FYI, continue. Yes, of course. Um, I forget it's your first episode. There's no yeah. People there's don't no know. Wealth of knowledge people don't, know, people don't know anything about me. Yeah, I know. So you will all get to know me. Um, so no, I mean it's it's one of those things where you, you go to set and it's 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 you know it's all films are usually early morning, six a.m. You get down to wherever you're shooting. In our case, this time it was Wall Street, and you know there's a very nice person showing you where your trailer is and asking what you want. And you go to hair and makeup and get a little haircut because you know i'm not exactly mr haircut <laughs> um and they kind of you know make you look good and then your clothes are waiting for you in your trailer and then you know when when they're ready for you they kind of come knock on your door and bring it to where we were shooting it and in this case we were actually shooting it at a really awesome bar uh called delmonico's which is actually a i guess it's sort of a famous wall street bar that's not really in my purview i guess you would say but yeah we don't really hang out down there yeah i don't that's not really my bag baby if you will right. um so but you know you know of course a, a set like that that's a sony set so the first thing they say like anyone in camera range cannot have an iphone now you have to have really phone which i thought was really funny yeah, they, they made sure everyone was like take to take away your iphones we're gonna have to use these sony phones for this Wow, you know, um, it's funny, the guy, kind of funny. I never even thought of that, but like the guy who owns the Clippers, to go on a quick tangent, uh, Steve Ballmer, who was the Microsoft guy, that's where he made his sure. billions, and he got rid of all the team iPads when he bought the team for scouting and everything, they have to use all Windows products, it's insane, but I never yeah. thought about that on a movie set, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of weird, to be honest, I mean, but I guess, you know, that's, that's, that's that world, unless Sony and Apple just don't get along for some reason at the moment. So it was like coming down from corporate saying, no, I'll have to be Sony phone. Uh, screw them. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all, it's all funny. But um, so, you know, what's really funny is you get down to a set like that, and there's like 75 extras in this bar. And of course, everyone's looking at me like, who the hell is this guy? And how did he get this gig? <laughs> um, and, you know, what's, you know, for someone who's, for someone like myself, who's really kind of just kind of at the beginning of his journey and getting a job like that and spending a day, you know, with, with someone like Jody Foster talking to you and then, you know, coming up with ideas and then trying new things and um, giving me a prop out of her pocket. She gave me 10 bucks out of her pocket. She's like, you know, do something like this. Um, Which you almost forgot to get back to her, right? Uh, no, she, she didn't ask for it back. Right. So I had to, I had to, like, Jody... Um, here's your ten dollars. Right, out of the millions she's cleared in her career, but she needed those ten bucks. You would think so. You're a good man. That's I mean that's karma that comes back to help you out. Ten so, bucks is lunch. Who so doesn't when, need lunch? Yes, that's Chipotle with the extra guac. I think um, the last yeah. time I went. Uh, so what's I mean? 
because obviously, like you say, you're at the beginning of your career, this part of it at least, and a lot of people are in those same shoes as you where you're working maybe with collaborators that are your age or that have had the same kind of experience. Here you come along and you're working, and on the slap, I'm sure it was kind of similar as well. But, I mean, these are people, you know, Jodie Foster, whoever else, that have been doing this for decades and have actually had you know, the kind of success I'm sure you're hoping to have someday. What's it like working with someone like that where – you know, you guys aren't really peers. This is someone that's, you know, a legend for, like, lack no, of a better word. I am no, <laughs> no, I would not call us peers. Right, right, right. She's a two-time Oscar winner. So, um, so what's, I mean, what's that like? Because obviously she's, she's, a, she's a human. She's a regular person. But at the same time, it's like, holy crap, this is Jodie Foster that's telling me what to do that I'm working with here. Well, I'd like to make it sound better than it is, but you pretty much just shut up and listen. <laughs> you tell me what you want, and I will give it to you. And if I don't give it to you, I'm sure you will let me know. Yeah. Like she's, she, the thing I've learned about working with, um, you know, people who have some notoriety, and, and not just from the slap and, and uh, money monster, but just from uh, other encounters, whether it be um, there was a pilot that was going to be shot with James Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years back, and I think they actually did shoot it. And I, I was working with the cast in rehearsals. I was filling in for somebody who couldn't be there, so I was asked to kind of just take place and re- take part in rehearsals. And you know, you you meet some other of these great actors, and you work with them just for the day, and they're almost always exactly what you think they're going to be like, because hmm. they're usually they're usually you know, hired for their personality that they already have. They're not, they're not Daniel Day-Lewis they're hiring. They're generally playing a version of themselves. Right. It's the easiest thing to cast them in. So usually they're actually exactly what you think they're going to be. And Jodie Foster was exactly what you think she was going to be. She's very intense. Uh, you know, she could tell she's a little bit of a sense of humor. Um, I mean, she survived, or, the, know, she survived the panic room, right? So that's got to be worth yeah, something. Exactly. Extremely intelligent. Extremely intelligent. And like, and very confident, and knows what she wants. So when you get to work with someone like that, it's just, and someone has that kind of experience, you really just shut up and listen. Especially, you know, my part, although it's cool, is you know, I'm not exactly, you know, eating up the scenery. So okay. just to kind of keep it was fairly simple to begin with. Um, and I hope most of it makes the final cut. Always the thing. Yeah. Well, I want to move away from that movie in particular, but yeah. that's when when's that supposed to drop? What time? Do you have a date yet, or that's later in the year, right? Um, sometime in the fall. I don't have. A, I don't. I don't exactly know when. Uh, but sometime in the fall. I don't know if they're looking at it as an Oscar film. I don't know if it's that kind of movie, but it's definitely a. You know, it's a very action. Not action, but I would say suspense thriller. Right. It feels a lot like. Um, one of my favorite movies growing up was a movie called The Negotiator uh, with Samuel Jackson and Kevin Spacey and I think Paul Giamatti is actually in it. It's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got that, you know, it's part of a kidnapping heist kind of film. It's good. All right, well, we'll have, once you get that solidified, or they, they do, I guess, and you find out, maybe we'll have you back on. We'll do a little press tour for you to get, the, get that movie hyped up. Um, there you go. Talk to me more about the, the process, uh, not necessarily the process of working on a project, but when you're trying to get into these projects, and maybe this is where we can go into some of the other stuff you do that's outside of the, the acting world, but I mean, you're juggling auditions, working with agents, going into casting calls, uh, pitching stuff yourself, trying to get jobs that just pay the bills while you're looking yeah. for this other stuff you'd like to do. What's, uh, you know, everyone thinks of the, the struggling New York actor and that whole life. How much of that's true? What's your life like compared to what someone from... Minneapolis may think you know your kind of life is going through, and 
I mean, what's like your typical week, month, kind of trying to live this life? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, the funny thing is it, everyone has a different story. You, know, you talk to me, I'm going to tell you it's one way. You talk to someone else, it's going to be another way. Um, my life, day to day, a lot of it is keeping tabs on, for you know, keeping tabs on what's being cast, right? So there's something called the breakdowns uh, for actors, and the breakdowns are uh, essentially where, you know, casting directors who cast these projects, you know, send out on the internet uh, to only agents and managers the projects that they're casting today. So, for instance, uh, I think I saw something today for, um, you know, one of the episodics around town are being cast. It's a little bit early for that being it's in the middle of, uh, middle of uh, you know, just the beginning of June. But, right. you know, so you kind of keep track. You see who's casting what. Um, in that case, you know, I might text my agent or email my agent and go, hey, did you see X, Y, and Z? I'd be really good for that. Um, and, he, you know, he might say, yes, I'm definitely going to submit you for that or I'm going to make a phone call, this and the other thing. Um, so there's a, some part of my day which is doing that. But really, you know, I think actors get into the, in their heads the biggest problem, I think, with people in my position, again, didn't start when they were 12 or didn't go to Yale or Juilliard. Yeah, you spent your time you know, learning really broadcasting at Syracuse with hacks like me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Hacks like you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's really about, you know, there's a, there's a saying that a, a few of the people I work with have, and it's, you know, agents only get 10%. So really, you can only expect them to do 10% of the work. Yeah, makes um, sense. There's a, lot, there's a lot of actors who will sit and moan, but be, you know, <laughs> at some coffee shop or the SAG office in Midtown and going, you know, my agents aren't getting me anything. And, and that's crap because, yes, it's their job to get you things and, and to get you in rooms. But really, if, like, if they're only doing 10% of the work, you got to be out there meeting casting directors and contacting them on your own. And, and, you know, and, and just like, you know, just like any other job where it's like, a, you know, you're contacting people on LinkedIn for, a, you know, quote unquote normal jobs. You know, you got to be keeping in touch with people you know, letting them know what you're up to, getting, making sure your face is always in front of them. So when they need, do need an actor and need to cast somebody, you know, instead of going to, you know, the 2,000 people that got submitted to them, they go, you know what, I know Bobby's going to be really good for this. Yeah. So you, instead of, you bypass that whole line and you go right to the front, which is really kind of what happened with Money Monster. You know, I saw that, that casting go out and I think I emailed the, direct, the casting person right away because I had an established relationship with them. And it was like, yeah. And to be honest, um, you know, I don't know if they really called in that many people for it. Um, I think they were just like, yeah, he'd be good for this. Let's just bring them. Right. So if, if, if they can sure start a short list as opposed to the whole cattle call, then that makes their job easier. Makes your job easier. So why not? Exactly. I mean, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about casting directors. And a lot of them is that, you know, a couple of them are that, you know, they, they kind of want you to trip up. And it's like, that's really not what they're looking for. They want you to solve their problem. Right. Um, it's like the mean casting director is like, no, they really want you to be good because once you're good, their job is done. Yeah. On to the next one. Um, yeah. It's, it's just like a job interview. It's like, please be the one, please be the one, please be the one. Um, and, you know, uh, but that, that's a part of the day. You know, again, part of the day is working the day job, depending on what it was. And I've really done everything. So, I can, know, I, I, I can attest while, to that, yeah. Working the restaurant game for a little while. Um, you know, working, you know, uh, another job and, and 
sales and all sorts of things, um, just to kind of, you know, bridge the gap and, you know, keep me going. I think I'm at a place now where I have to kind of make a decision about where I am as an actor uh, and what I'm, what I would really be happy with uh, in terms of the way my life is set up because it's really important and, and, it, and I don't, it takes a lot of money and a lot of fuel um, to keep going in, in the uh, drama business, if you will. Um, it's very expensive to keep things going. So what do you, you think? you got to keep yourself... I was going to say, so what do you think goes into that thought process for you? What goes into that kind of soul-searching? How much time do you give yourself? Because I know, like, I used to work in minor league baseball. I used to do radio for that, as you're well aware. And it's kind of a similar thing, where after a while, if you're if you're the pitcher who's just not making it above single A, and you've got a family to take care of and bills to pay, and you've been doing it a few years, and it's just not happening for you, uh, there are success stories where guys stick with it, and it does happen for them after a while. There are other guys where, you know what, it's time to hang up the cleats and that's it. What's, I mean, give me kind of your, your soul situation right now, your kind of mindset of yeah. your, your crossroads. You know, it's really funny. Um, and, and for actors, it's different. In, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Now, for women, and not to say that this isn't possible, because it certainly does exist for people, you know, Alice and Janet comes to mind, where she really wasn't getting work until her later 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. If you look at women as actors in general, if you're not really hitting it by your mid-20s or early 20s, it's really, really hard. Uh, but for guys, it's completely different. Um, that's just the way sort of the game is. And yeah, I'm which, is unfor- which is unfortunate, but it's, yeah, you're right. It's uh, how it works. Well, yeah, I mean, it is unfortunate, but it, it, it's just kind of the way it is. You know, the, the guy parts, you know, I can play. I'm, you know, the funny thing is, I was always getting cast in older roles or being called in, I should say, for older parts. But the problem is when you're casting an early 30s lawyer and I'm 27 and, and I come into the office, I look 27. Or I, I just, you know, someone who's 32 has been around the block a few more times than someone who's 27. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a certain reality to that. And, of course, cameras pick up everything. So oh, yeah. Knows. yeah. So for me, I have to kind of decide. And the funny thing is, I just, just before I go into that, the two big parts I got this year was a lawyer, or you know, thirty, and the stockbroker, thirty. So it's like my roles are only starting to come now. In a way. Mm. So that makes well, that's encouraging, of, right? It's encouraging one, but the second part, when you talk about soul searching, it's like you know, I'm you know, I'm almost, uh, I'm not there yet, but I'm almost thirty, and it's you know, stability is something that I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, financial stability and benefit stability and looking forward to things a little bit. And I kind of have to sit back and ask myself, what would I be happy with? Now, am I going to make it on a series regular part um, on a, a, you know, primetime television show? It's it's certainly possible. It's not going to happen tomorrow. If it were to happen, it would would certainly happen in the next, you know, couple of years. I'm a good friend of mine, uh, or you know, a decent friend of mine. is in, He's on a he's on a regular show right now, um, and he's great. And you know, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. However, I have to kind of you know work my way there still. And for that, I think it's hard to give up because I've put so much time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears, and dollar signs into this thing. Um, so I don't want to punch out now because I'm starting to get some really cool stuff. And I'm also like hitting a, a really a nice rhythm in auditions and hitting a nice rhythm in just my personality and things like that. Um, so 
so I think, you know, the great thing about some of the jobs that I've had is the ability to, you know, be able to go to an audition or, or spend a day on set or two and kind of work that out. And if I, if I can draw a perfect life right now, it would be able to be a working actor, meaning, you know, I could go, I have my nine to five day job, but I have a nine to five day job that's like, yeah, you got cast on Law and Order this week, great. Go do two days of work. As long as everything's getting done here at the office, we're totally cool with that. Ugh, or take a couple is, vacations. That is such the dream. Yeah, I mean, if, if look, you know, if, if you were to tell me in 15 years, you know, and I, you know, I have a family and I'm working, you know, full time, let's say, at a tech company, which I, I, I do tech and I enjoy tech companies. Um, and I've been able to get on, you know, an episodic television two or three times a year. And I have, you know, and I'm just a guy in New York who does television shows, you know, guest starring parts or co-starring parts, you know, a couple times a year. Fantastic. You know, how many people get to do that? Yeah. Um, so that's sort of what I'm hoping for is to get the best of both worlds. Um, and I'm still trying to have my cake and eat it too, and we'll see where that goes. I'm a big proponent of having the cake and eating it too, so I'm in your corner for this yes. one. Um, all right, going to wrap up here soon, but um, I'm just quickly to knock off a couple Don't other. Short change me. <laughs> well, uh, you and I could talk for hours. I don't think anyone wants to listen to us for hours, so I'm just trying to uh, make We're sure we get this. Yeah, at least to you, me, and and our moms who may be subscribing. But my uh, already turned off. Uh, yeah. Or she couldn't even figure out how to. She <laughs> probably couldn't even figure out actually how to turn the, the figure out where to find this. Or thing, or like. Or, or she turned off when she found out you were the guest and I wasn't talking to somebody else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ugh, I talk to them too much every day. Uh, my last acting question, and I'm actually surprised I haven't asked you this in person the many years I've known oh. you. How the hell do you guys memorize everything? I've seen you in plays. You've obviously done TV, theater, and you were just telling me last week, I think you were, I'm like, oh, what were you up to today? And you're like, oh, I was just home memorizing some stuff for a script. Um, I mean, I do a lot of short form videos. I can memorize, you know, a minute's worth of stuff. I can freelance some things off the top of my head. But you're getting scenes. You're getting, you know, 10 minutes, you know, monologues and dialogues and stuff like that. What's, is that just a, a natural actor's, like, a thing you're born with? Or is that something you can work at? No, it, it, it's something you work at. And the more you do it, the more the easier it gets. Your brain kind of, you know, lets it work. That's, you know what it is, by the time you see, um, you know, by the time you see, you know, you've seen the play before, by the time you saw that, there was six weeks before that, and we've done that scene many mm. times, so it's already, that's that's pretty easy. You know, film sets and TV sets are different because, um, especially TV sets, because a lot of times those scripts are being edited on the fly. Right, yeah. So, like, so, you know, you may get there in the morning, and you have a lot more lines than you thought you did, which is what happened to me, actually, on the slap, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely had more lines. I mean, they've changed a little bit for the time. You know, I thought I had one script. I get to the set, like, oh, they get some rewrites, you know, in the last couple of days. Here you go. Um, and what's great about you don't really have a choice. You just memorize them. That's it. That's, yeah. If, either, if, you, if you don't you do it, then you're not doing the job. Right? Yeah, you just kind of just put them in your head, trust that it's there. I think, we, you know, I think... You, I think we kind of underestimate the power we have to re, you know, retain information like that when you really need to. Um, you just do it. And also, by the time you're in like the third or fourth take, or the fifth or sixth take, mm -hmm. or the seventh take, or the eighth take, you've, you've got it. Yeah. You've got it. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, you know, if you're doing like, you know, God, you know, from my lips to God's ears, as they say, if I'm in a you know, feature film, when you're doing, you know, you have new pages every day, you, you know, you're working on them at night, you're memorizing before you get to set. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, you know, 
sort of the sometimes the joke is, you know, you don't have to have the have it word perfect in the the master shot, meaning like the wide shot of the scene. But once they get into close up strategy, you know what I mean. <laughs> right. um, so there's a little bit of that too, but that's memorization. I record I record the other person's part in, the, in a voice memo, mm. and I just listen back over and over and over again. It's, I mean, it's the one thing, you know, I don't think I'd ever be able to do it. And I starred in my school plays in second and third grade. I was Christopher Columbus and Joseph in the Nativity Story. But uh, I just, <laughs> that, the career path wasn't in it for me. Uh, all right, Bob, well, I got you. Let me get some fun stuff in here. Um, how's your dating life going, buddy? Jesus. You want me to be public with that information? <laughs> Give me specific questions. You talk about you know trying to balance everything. You're you're talking to your agent. You're looking at scripts. You're memorizing stuff when you get them. You're trying to get your day jobs and stuff. I guess the more specific question is, you're dealing with all of that crap. But then you also got it because you and I both are you know we're advanced in our twenties. We're single. We're trying to find that special lady. What's it like trying to balance we're professional, right? Professional young professionals. Wipers. Yeah, you could say that to put it euphemistically um what's it like trying to balance you know taking a girl out for a cup of coffee when you have all this other stuff going on and you're trying to worry about your career and making rent and all this kind of stuff like that well it's a good break i mean that's for sure i mean you know it's funny one of the places uh, the play you saw me in back in the fall i think mm -hmm. there's a great little monologue by sorry there's a siren going by there's a must be a fire somewhere um you know there we go now, one of the cool little, I think there's a great little monologue by the grandfather character in the play I did, um, Awakened King, where he talks about women being a big distraction mm -hmm. and like, <laughs> like to stay away, you know, they tell the young son to stay away from, right. stay away from girls. And there is some truth to that. <laughs> uh, my, my productivity goes down. Um, but then again, but some other, some other like, stuff goes up. So we like women. So, whoa, there's more flyers going on on my block. Yeah, hopefully that's um, not your apartment. No, we're good. I good. Think, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's a constant kind of struggle because, wow, there's like a lot of fire trucks going on. <laughs> um, so there's, it's a constant sort of battle and a back and forth of what do I have time for? And also you have to kind of balance things out because, you know, I do a day job and then I do all the other acting stuff on the side. So really you kind of have two jobs. Um, and then I'm also writing a screenplay right now. So, you know, that takes time. It takes brain power. And sometimes at the end of the night, the last thing I want to do is go meet up with somebody. Yeah. Because um, you, 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 you have to be on, you know, on a date. At least in the, you got to be on. And, and, you know, what usually gets me there, there's so many times I make a, I make a plan and I'm like, oh, I, I don't even want to go. Um, I think most people are actually like that too. If the plan sounds good, then it's like, oh wait, I actually have to put pants on. Right. Meet somebody. <laughs> yep. It's like, ugh. But you know, I always kind of think that, and this sounds bad if it's you know some girl that I'm, I'm meeting soon, but it's like you know at least it makes a good story. Right. Like there's always characters to kind of meet and always characters to learn about, and then I can always like use them as some sort of fuel to write something later on if it doesn't work out or something weird happens. Um, and I, I genuinely enjoy having a conversation, you know? So, I mean, I think I always, it's funny because when I'm on dates, I usually, I'm sorry if any girls listen to this, that I end up dating in the future or perhaps, <laughs> did. Right? I, I usually ask, especially if it's like an online based date, I usually ask their horror stories because women always have just horror stories yeah, in it's, terms it's, of how guys, what they text. And it's like, bad. I'm always like, I'm always like, what's your worst date you've of you met off of Tinder or the Jewish Tinder or OkCupid, 
And it's like, you know, they always have some horrible thing where some guy just like said something extremely sexual or whatever. Man, that's like six fire trucks that have passed my window. Yeah, that's not good. Um, No, it's not my block. They keep going. Um, So, you know, for for guys, though, and for me, I've really never had a bad date. And I'm not saying like, oh, my dates are fantastic. (laughs) And I bet if you pulled half the women I've been out with, they're like, oh. (laughs) They would disagree. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's a total douchebag. Um, I hope not. Uh, But it's been more about just, let me get out of the house, have a conversation with someone tonight. And if it, if it goes great, fantastic. I'll see them again. And if it doesn't, well, then, you know, goodbye. Um, and, and lately, and I don't know if this has something to do with how much work that we've been doing, is I, I find myself not being interested uh, after, the, after like five or ten minutes, and I kind of just end up being there for two or three hours, and I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe that's just not finding the right person to tickle my fancy. Um, yeah, but even but when, I, I mean that, that happens also, to me. But you can't just get up and leave and say, you know what, I'm just this isn't going to work after five ten minutes. Even though that might save no, anybody some time. Gonna, but, like, no. Yeah, I know I'm not going to like marry them abroad, but uh, to be you know blunt, but it's like you know I can stay and have a conversation with somebody and learn about some sort of profession that I don't know about, and, and sometimes it, I feel like it turns into an interview where I'm just yeah. asking questions about what they do. <laughs> when you break up, when you break out the notepad, that's probably gone a step too far. <laughs> Yeah, I can really use that later on. But I think it's sort of also the world that we live in with Tinder and, and the, you know, all of the internet stuff where like there's always someone else around the corner. Yeah. Like there's always someone else to swipe Especially away. Especially so, here in New York, it's insane. Yeah. And I, I don't know there's gotta be some actual effect that has on the dating world in New York where it's just you know I'm assuming people used to go on second dates when the first date was like it was okay. Like, I think I, I, they might be cool. Let me just yeah, give them a shot. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe, like, you know, there's, but like now there's no point. There's none of that's going on because if they don't work, boom, there's always someone just to swipe right away. No, that's literally it. And it's funny. I was just in a wedding this weekend uh, out in Amish country in Pennsylvania, and I wasn't planning on, you know, going on Tinder or anything, but I, for kicks with my group of friends who we went on to see what, it was like there compared to here, and after you know, after three, after three girls, it's you know you're done. It's like in a ten mile radius, there's just no one there. Whereas here, yeah, in New York, it's you know I've been on Tinder for a few years now. It's on and off again, but you, you literally never run out of people. That's just the way. That's the reality. So like you say, everyone's just your another option away, and it goes both ways. You know, girls that. If they have a bad date, you know what, or a guy that's just kind of creeping them out with saying stuff, he's off, he's blocked, and now try and look for the next Prince Charming. So it's it's just a, a wild pool we're swimming in out here, man. There's a guy with a, posing with a tiger just to swipe away. Exactly. Um, all right, Bobby, last question for you. It's the one I'm probably going to end uh, all my interviews with. I'll see if, if it sticks or not. But um, knowing what you know now, and I'll open this to professionally, personally, uh, romantically, whatever you want, you get 10 seconds or less of advice to give the 20-year-old self. What do you say? Create YouTube content and market the hell out of it. Yeah, 20-year-old you was 2005, so that would have been really timely advice. Invent YouTube. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think one of my first ever YouTube clips that I saw, I think I was with you. We were in London. I hadn't ever heard of it before, and we watched, ironically... Uh, some old wrestling stuff from the 90s. Who knew that we would be so into it now, uh, 10 years later? But Stone Cold E.T. Yeah, that's our, our, if you take nothing else from this podcast, take that you should go Google Stone Cold E.T. and thank Bobby later. 
and you'll be in tears. I I literally get into tears watching that. It's so good. It's I also so good. cry at like every other piece of media that I watch. I actually cried during Raw before. Uh, <laughs> I sort of got it. Did there was uh, a cool little moment with John Cena? I totally cried uh, or teared up. And then like Inside Out, I saw last week the Pixar movie. Cried the whole time. Yeah, I don't, I'm like I'm a guy who like I'm definitely a guy who cries at like. The bounty commercials. Oh, jeez. Sensitive guy, great actor. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're a lady listening, look him up. If you're a casting director bad listening, temper. hire him. And a bad temper, but you'll see, you won't see that till date number five. So, all right, Bobby, thank you very much. That's going to uh, do it for, for you here on the pod. Uh, I'm sure you'll be a multiple uh, time recurring guest. So, we have plenty of other stuff to talk about next time you're on. Thank you, Michael. And I think we should have a brand extension. And, and start being the regular guys who watch wrestling. Yeah, it'll be like Raw and SmackDown. We'll have two shows. Yep. <laughs> All right, buddy. Catch you later. All right, see ya. All right, so that was a cool conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, Bobby and I touched on a lot of stuff. Uh, I loved what he had to say about that kind of crossroads we're at in our lives right now. Uh, he and I are the same age. Thinking about it, I mean, you get to a point, you know, you're almost 30, and how much do you want to keep dedicating to your career? How much do you think maybe this is the time to try something new? Maybe I hang it up. Maybe I, I keep going. What's all this worth? Very interesting stuff. So it was really cool to talk to him. I almost guarantee that that will not be his last appearance on the show. So it was a really great uh, first guest. Bobby and I have actually talked about doing our own podcast before, which may come down the road as well. But he's trying to crush it right now, so I'm really happy for him. Make sure to uh, look him up. He's got an IMDb page, Bobby Kruger. K-R-U-G-E-R. So he's the man there and uh, really a really good friend of mine, and I wish him the best and thank him so very much for coming on the show. All right, so this is kind of the part of the show each week where I'll try and do uh, my one thing, which will be the one riff or the one thought I have for the week. And this week I'll keep it short because it is the first episode. Bobby and I had a long chat, so if you're still listening, thanks a lot for that. I won't keep you much longer. Basically wanted to talk about why I'm doing this, Uh, This is just something that I decided to really get into. As I mentioned, Bobby and I had actually talked about this ourselves back in the day a few months ago. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I think it's a really cool art form, and everyone has one now, so hopefully I'm just trying to get people to listen to this one. And if it ends up being just five friends that listen, so what? Uh, I still enjoy it. And it's just a cool way to really get some thoughts off your chest. Uh, I love writing, but blogging can be tough sometimes, so just have the time to sit down put thoughts on screen, not really pen to paper anymore. That can take a while and formulating all that. Here, I just love the the live aspect, the spontaneous aspect. I just hit record, I sit in front of the microphone, and I talk. And I try and make that as raw for you as possible. Everything I did here on this first episode was a first take. There are no edits, there are no extra uh, practices or anything like that. So lots of ums, lots of uhs, I'm sure but definitely something that uh, I really had a lot of fun doing for this first episode. So it was my first, hopefully won't be my last, and obviously we'll try and get some really awesome guests and everything coming on down the road. So The Mike Janela Show, make sure to uh, check it out uh, wherever you can. I'm going to try and get this thing on iTunes soon, but it'll always be on MikeJanela.com, so make sure to check that out. And that's where you can also find uh, the info on my intro music, which is an awesome beat that I was able to get, and definitely want to make sure that I give credit where credit's due. So make sure to visit MikeJanella.com and check out the info for that, and also to check back every week where I will be posting new podcasts as much as I can, and we'll see how long this exciting project lasts. One more time, thank you very much to my buddy Bobby Kruger. So make sure to look him up, grab him on Twitter. He's out there, he's got his IMDb page. Find out what he's up to next. That movie Money Monster hopefully coming out this fall. So make sure to check that out in the theaters when you get the chance. 
But in the meantime, uh, make sure to keep listening. Make sure to find me as well uh, on Twitter at Mike Janella. And you can definitely keep up with all my uh, goings on at MikeJanella.com too. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. And I'll definitely do better next time. See ya.